Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. And today we're talking about Season 6, Episode 7, titled Plan and Execution. And oh, what an execution. Yeah, I guess I wasn't expecting it to be that literal. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that anybody was. Wow. Uh, Yeah, was that the payoff you were looking for? Payoff is an interesting word to choose. (laughs) Uh... Well, it was something. It was definitely something. Poor Howie. Yeah. Wowie. Poor Howie. <laughs> uh, for me, I, I thought it worked well. Was it worth three whole episodes set up? I don't know. We got a lot of comments about that in our feedback mm-hmm. um, about whether or not, you know, it was actually worth it after all said and done. I mean, this episode was pretty amazing. It was extremely entertaining. Yeah. Even having called basically everything like the audience knew what was going to happen essentially to Howard. I felt like, Hey, they had a slight wrinkle that we didn't see coming, um, that we'll talk about. And then it was just so much fun to watch it play out. And I think it was even more fun the second time I watched it because Mm -hmm. I knew what was coming and I saw all the building blocks of it. And that's, that's what I love. That's the pleasure I get out of like a really well constructed story is seeing how they put those pieces together seeing almost getting like behind the scenes with the writers and going okay when they were writing this they knew what would happen here and they Mm -hmm. put this thing this line or whatever in there because they were building to that and they wanted it to be even more delicious when this character is fooled and made to look like an idiot uh and yeah i really enjoyed going back the second time and just dissecting all those little things and 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 really had fun with that scene yeah, with Howard. It was a lot of it was a lot of fun, and then it was not fun. <laughs> yeah, and then there's the big the big twist that you kind of don't see coming, right? Yeah, the, and just how brilliantly they shot that. Yeah. I love it's it's very dramatic. It's a little bit horror movie the way they do it. We'll get into it when we actually get to that last scene. But oh yeah, that's goodness. another fantastically constructed scene. Yes, all uh, oh, that stuff is so good. And I like I said, I think it mostly you know pays off. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three weeks before this that we were just kind of waiting. I, I do think they played a little bit too close to the vest with some of this stuff. I think the way they revealed sort of after the fact how they got the PI involved, mm-hmm. I feel like was not typically how they tell their stories. I, I think normally I like when they are, if they would have had Jimmy make a call or, or not even Jimmy make a call, but him like pay somebody to make a call to Howard's office at some mm-hmm. point. And we didn't know what the call was necessarily about or why he was doing it. That would have made a little bit more sense than just like after the fact, oh yeah, I talked to my secretary and we got a call three weeks ago that said, <laughs> yeah, there Here's was my a little number. bit of an info dump there. I, I still, there was still enough of the building blocks there. If you look back that it still works for me because I was having these moments where like Kim and Jimmy are hanging out in the lawn of on the lawn of HHM in the middle of the night or whatever and like not mm. being followed. Yeah. And I kept questioning we kept questioning that stuff like how did he not see the setup of all this? Yeah. And we even speculated is he is he part of the team? And turns, turns out, out it was. Yeah. Yeah. So no, in retrospect it doesn't make sense. I I think they just sort of write not retcon that a little bit but like didn't give us all the information i want them to be playing with their cards face up on the table and me looking at those cards going what do these cards mean like (laughs) how do i piece these together to make a really good hand Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and in this case, which I think is not usually the case with Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad, they weren't playing with all of their cards face up. So I, that's yeah, I think that's a fair judgment. In their defense, I will say, I don't know. This is actually meant to be split up into two chunks the way it was it just the way that shooting was they had to do it this way yeah um might be might be but yeah i, I definitely enjoyed this episode a lot the, yeah. the most uh, enjoyment i've gotten out of any episode this season so any episode all right uh-huh. the first episode was pretty good but yeah 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 it is I, but man it's hard to beat this one <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one just again even in just the way it's shot it's yeah. very very dramatic and poetic in some places mm-hmm. and the lighting is amazing and they reused some interesting parts from previous episodes which i'm looking forward to dropping when we get there okay i'm excited <laughs> if you've listened to the insider podcast you already you already know all the things that i know ah but, i did not have time i was ah, down here yes. compiling feedback and i was at the theater watching top gun and i was watching multiple hours of succession yeah there, there's been a lot going on the last couple of days here yeah uh, i was just driving around getting my hair cut so i had time we we got a ton of feedback so we probably ought to get to the recap so that we can eventually get to the feedback all right sounds good let's do it so speaking of cutting straight to things this week we cut straight to the wheat no chaff it's nighttime and we learned that lalo has been camping out in a storm drain across the street from the super lab a la it Big it vibes. Yes, very much so. Um, your description <laughs> really just like shuffles under the rug the fact that this scene takes a while. It, it takes its sweet time. And I'm not complaining, actually, in this one. I think like seeing the links that he's willing to go to yes. because he knows, right? He knows who Gus is. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't do this, he's going to get caught immediately. Right. And then I love that he still he still ends up watching it bless him because it can't help himself yeah yeah that phone call he makes later that he shouldn't have made he he gets very close to it i think he catches himself he almost messes up Mm. um but then yeah he realizes what's going on but we'll talk about that here in a second yeah uh a lot of indignities suffered by (laughs) lalo in this episode first of all the indignity of making the sewer your office yeah that's pretty that's a hard one indignatious is that a word that can't be it a is word. now it is now <laughs> that's pretty indignatious. four days four days of ign- indignatiousness yeah <laughs> indignation <laughs> can't be what that means uh and the indignity of of putting on flip-flops on screen on camera <laughs> so i mean it's just there's no good way to put on tight <laughs> tight well-fitting flip-flops right you have to like stick your foot halfway in and then shuffle your toes yeah you kind of like have to do the you got to do the toe scrunch yeah to get it to yeah. really get it on indignatious as hell uh and then the indignity of the truck shop truck stop shower although it was a pretty nice one i feel like it's one of the nicer ones i've seen it wasn't like bad ever. i was surprised i like how they have the the one hour limit sign on there mm-hmm. did you see that i did yeah our truck hour, stop showers people. just like yeah, one hour, two people. Our truck stop shower is just like sleazy motels where like you pay by the hour and what? hey, whatever happens in that shower, that's your business. I mean, you got to stay awake somehow, right? Right? That's what I assume is that's that's what's going on there. Difficult to say. I didn't see personal the... personal activities. They didn't show the condom dispenser on the wall, but I'm sure right. there was one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of one hour, he allows himself one hour of sleep and then continues staking out the laundry. 
Yeah, he's dedicated. Oh, he might have been sleeping in that shower too. I'm not sure. He's leaned up against the wall. He's not moving. <laughs> oh, sure. He might have just been asleep on his feet. I think he's just enjoying being scoured by the hot water right before he goes right back in the dookie hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. That travel center looks so much like a UDF. It kind of mm-hmm. flipped my bean for a second. I feel like all modern uh, convenience stores look like this now. That's, that's they've, fair. They've moved to a classier look. The wood, the fake wood paneling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. He, he did the predictable thing. We kind of thought, okay, maybe he goes straight for the laundry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one thing. But then when he realizes that he can't really just make a straight run at Gus, he has to figure out a way around. And I, I thought it was smart um, both about how he approached the laundry and then also going for Kim and Jimmy uh, when he realizes he can't get directly to Gus. It's interesting. It almost seems like when he, when he in the later scene, because we, we're going to see him down in the sewer a couple times, Yeah. but in a later scene when he sees Mike coming out with all the other cockroaches whenever he lights mm-hmm. a fire under their butts, it's kind of like that's when he makes the connection. Yeah, I, I love it. He sees that roach, and then he's like, yes. oh, right, Jimmy's out there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that roach. Yep. Uh, yeah. All right. Got anything else to say about that one? No. Okay, next we are with Jimmy, running around, collecting his crew, and executing the broken arm reshoot. This is a fun scene. Yeah, he's got to assemble his team, like a heist movie. Yep, uh, pulling them re-assemble. from various... Reassemble. Pulling them from various... Pulling them from various locales. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Larry. I think his name's Larry. It was hard to see the name tag. Lenny, I think. Lenny? Okay. Or something like that. Uh, he's practicing his lines while pushing carts for some production. I tried to look up what he's saying. <laughs> it doesn't this must be anything. fictional because um, hmm. searching those lines doesn't reveal anything. It's not like, oh, he's doing Shakespeare in the park or something. Nice. It's just, as best I can tell, it's not anything real. I appreciate the investigation. But I could be wrong about that. If I am, you can probably find out on Reddit because <laughs> they do crowdsourced research, which is much better than mine. I like how to get uh, this first guy back on the team. He <laughs> literally crawls across his front seats through the passenger side window and just like lays platitudes upon him like mm-hmm. this acting thing and this acting thing and this acting thing. The show must go on, right? Yeah. Carpe diem. Appeals to Wonderful. his actor's spirit. <laughs> Put in a very, like, Jimmy, come on, let's go, kind of way. Yeah. It's good. At this point, like, he's a director, right? I mean, he, he is. He's directed commercials mm-hmm. uh, over and over mm-hmm. again. He's got a crew that he works with regularly. Like, he is a film director. He is, or at least yeah. an, uh, an advertising uh, director. Yep. So, yeah, he, like, this is just him doing his job, getting his his actors motivated what's my motivation four hundred dollars and the spirit of acting (laughs) yes and then five hundred dollars and that's that's it that's all he needs for the oh that kid the 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 (laughs) camera guy this is his biggest scene to date right like the most yeah uh the most most lines he's had yeah the probably the longest screen time unbroken yeah uh, yeah, this guy is a teacher's assistant. Oh, 
Uh, yeah, he's the worst. Power trip. Yeah, it's always the worst. He's the worst kind of TA. The worst yeah. kind. It's like Griffin <laughs> McElroy with none of the charisma. I didn't realize how awful that would be until I, I was pre- I was presented it mm-hmm. in front of my face. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, this isn't even like a VHS camcorder, right? This is a Betamax camcorder, which a lot of people are going to write in and say, "Oh, Betamax <laughs> is actually technically superior." I know. I know. <laughs> But come on, nobody used Betamax except at schools, except in newsrooms. Right. The 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 people the people were shooting on VHS. Yes, the the, the format of the people is VHS. And then he finally gets everybody together in the park. Kim Kim shows up with As some the, supplies for the cast. So it's kind of the she ends up being the director in this scene. Yeah, she does. Uh, gets gets her toe into the directing pool. Uh, I imagine this is probably what Vince Gilligan looks like running around on set. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's just kicking off his shoes. Over the shoulder, yeah. I'm not going to try to do a Vince Gilligan impersonation. That's uh, an impression. Yeah, you can't. I don't know if there is a good way to mimic that accent without <laughs> making it sound like you're defaming somebody. Yeah, I'll let the man's accent alone. Um, <laughs> but yes, I, I can just picture him running around trying to get shots looking just like this. That would be fun. Speaking Shooting of shots, shot. this uh, this continuous shot that they have in this scene, it's really beautiful and mm-hmm. delightfully chaotic. Yeah. It really kind of got my heart pumping a little bit. Like I felt like I was in a rush to to do something really, really quick. Yeah, uh, Tom, Tom Schnauz directed mm-hmm. this one. They don't do a lot of these types of shots. Like this is, this is typical like heist style yeah. shooting, um, yep. which is kind of why I referred to it as like assembling your crew for a heist because absolutely this shot feels like <laughs> it, I, I don't know something it's like going Ocean's around Eleven the table while they're while they're discussing their different parts of the plan, right? And you yes. see you see each of their faces like you're panning across, very much that feeling, but with but also with. Uh, taping diapers to a man's arm. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Delightful it's like a use reservoir of... dogs or something. Yeah it's, yeah. it's good. I liked it. It's gritty. Yes. And at the end of the scene, that is where we finally see that we were right, sort of, in one of our speculations that this PI was working for them the whole time. Yeah. They put the photos directly in his hands mm-hmm. after doctoring them, of course. Yeah, completely unambiguous at this point. How long does it take uh, that solution to dry on the photos? Because they were grabbing those photos off the line and jamming them right in the envelope. I'm like, yeah, is that? And literally out of his hand too. Yeah, like he out just of the pulled bath. it out of the solution and right. grab it. So how does know. that work? I don't know. That's probably a <laughs> a dumb thing to get hung up on, <laughs> considering yeah, everything else. But yeah, it seems wet photos seems hard. Apparently, apparently you can still rush wet. the process. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> right. Next, we cut to Howard hanging out in the meeting room before the big show. This is... Yeah, this is the soda drop scene. This is the soda drop scene. This is also the scene where Howard's like, uh, hey, it's hot. Somebody mm-hmm. hot. It's just me. Yeah. Does that soda trick work? I, I don't know. I tried to look it up and I couldn't tell. Uh, based on internet searches. What are you doing? I'm just shaking a can of soda, man. 
I'm just shaking a can of soda. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I have a you bowl. You better spin that thing like a top. I have a bowl. You better spin it from now till Hanukkah like a dreidel. He only listen. Howie Ham only spun it like three times. <laughs> no, not Chuck though. Chuck spun it a lot. Chuck would do it. Jesus <laughs> <Your> Christ! <face. laughs> I'll be damned. What? Oh, it works. What? What? Sip. <laughs> All right. Well, I got to cut. This is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> I have to cut somebody's email now because <laughs> they were saying that someone in the Bald Move uh, fandom should check that. Apparently, my wife's just going to check it live it's here me. over the carpet. I am the Bald Move fandom. With, I had a bowl. grape soda, sta- <laughs> highly staining grape soda. He's lying to you. It is Key Lime LaCroix. <laughs> Get off my nuts, man. Ooh, it gets grape LaCroix with dye in it. <laughs> anyway, so that works. Wow. Apparently. Wow. I, my mind has just been blown. Yeah. I guess I'm just going to do that from now on. Get yourself a new party trick. I do. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Now you can be like Marco and you can bet people. You can mm. shake up a soda and be like, I bet I can open that without spilling a drop. Perfect. Perfect. And they'll bet you 20 bucks. I will remember this. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so this is a good scene for a lot of reasons. Um, it starts off with um, the, the the kid dropping the soda, right? The new guy mm-hmm. dropping the soda. And uh, Howard's talking about how he learned this trick of spinning the thing from Chuck and points to a picture of Chuck up on the wall. And I feel like this is, this is interesting because, like, this person doesn't remember who Chuck was. Chuck's gone. Um, yeah. It's and this show is kind of reminding us by bringing this back to Chuck how he already drove one of these partners to his death. And Jimmy did, yeah, yeah uh, previously. And by the end of this episode, <laughs> he's going to have done it again with Howard. Yeah, literally and, with the other one. And they're both unintentionable, but arguably his fault, right? Yeah. Uh, No, absolutely. You can, you can draw like the line is, it's got a lot of crests and troughs, but it's a straight line. Yeah. It is a direct line to either of these. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't, neither of them end up dead. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it was um, pretty, pretty sad seeing Chuck up there on the wall. And And, reminding us of the consequences of Kim and Jimmy messing around again. And Mostly Jimmy. Also, Howard, you know, his journey, being reminded of his journey and how much yeah. he's been through, um, through the death of Chuck and, you know, questioning whether Chuck's sort of maniacal mm-hmm. uh, drive to, to be the best lawyer and be yeah. spoken of in such fond terms was worth it. I do. I like his face as we leave this room of this scene where he's like, maybe that's not the most important thing to be the best at anything. Yeah. Because, boy, look at where it can lead you. It can really drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Um, I also, I like, I don't know this is, if this is important or not, but as he walks out of the room to talk with Irene and Cliff, uh, the, the side of the room that they are sitting in is just like so warm and inviting, and the colors that they are wearing are very neutral, just like, it's warm, right? It's just warm and cozy. Mm-hmm. And then literally on the other side of this very small room where the windows are, you have Howard and his uh, paralegal or his assistant. It is just, it's yeah. the cold, harsh daylight, right? And somehow these two bits are just right next to each other in this yeah. scene. And they're they're dressed, you know, in blues. Of course, and, and of course. like 
cool colors. And I think Cliff yeah. almost always wears a brown suit, right? He does. Yeah, he's very tans and browns, and he's very like. And his office is like that too. Yeah. I don't know how to. Do, what's a good word to describe that? But yes. Uh, warm earth tones, that kind earth of stuff. Tones, yeah. 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 So there is a, a big contrast between the two of them. There is. Uh, uh, Patrick Fabian, man, I, I gotta <laughs> give it up to him. This is his episode, right? Oh, like absolutely. It's his time to shine. I, yeah. I feel like we've gotten good Howard stuff before, but this is probably the best work he's done and the most work he's done. Yeah, it's the most, the most anything. It's the most sympathetic. It's the most, his like mini tirade at the end mm-hmm. is totally deserved. It's like you cannot, cannot spot the lie in no. anything that he's saying. That's the thing. He's exactly right about all this. Yeah. And the tragedy of it is he can't do anything about it. He can't. He's. It's very affecting. Yeah. Um. And, and he's just so good. He's so, he's so good at being angry about it and, and, uh, you know, righteously angered by the whole situation. Like yeah. I've caught you in your lies and I'm going to take you down and prove it's, that I'm right, right. here. There's, there's a little bit of like Chuck-esque stuff going on there, mm-hmm. but then he's also very funny, like very funny. Like the the stuff where he's like, is anybody, anybody else hot? <laughs> There's just a couple of lines in there where I see them, you know, constructing this. Yeah. And it's just so good. Uh, it, and and the line that really gets me is when once, you know, they all get into the room uh, with the mediator and Howard says, hey, I saw you. I got these photos. Uh, go get these photos off my desk. And he's saying... Look, I know this all sounds a bit baroque, but when you see the photos, it'll be clear. And and now like the second time I watch this, which is even more delicious to me is the first time through I didn't know that the photos were going to be switched. I thought he'd yeah. just get the photos and the judge would be like that's not me and right. he'd still look crazy, but he'd have the photos, but the fact that he doesn't even have the photos he thinks he has, he has some weirdo It's yeah, like ultimate frisbee really, player with a mustache. Yeah, really makes him look like he's off his rocker. <laughs> it was so brilliant. I was not expecting that second this the second level to that switcheroo. Yeah. It was really delightful. Yeah. They 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 tend to do that stuff too. I should have been expecting it. I should have seen it coming because Jimmy doesn't want to leave evidence either, right? Of course. And so yeah. the idea that like they photograph someone who looks identical to the judge would be really suspicious. I mean, yeah, that would be it would be pretty obvious that that was what he was going for. Yeah. But adding that second level of <laughs> remove to it, it, it not, uh, it's not just the tennis player, but it's also the tennis player with that same crazy mustache. Yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Is this supposed to be me? <laughs> That's very good. Uh, yeah, Patrick Fabian's doing some oh, amazing, like just facial acting uh-huh. in this episode. I feel like maybe he didn't really get to do a lot of that so much before because his character was a lot more one note. Uh-huh. But in this, even just in this season, we've seen him have to deal with so many other things and so many different emotions. I I especially love, I mean, there's so many good parts, but the the... One of the other parts I like is when the judge walks in, the ex-judge, whatever, retired judge, walks in, uh, Howard sees him, and the rest of the scene until he, like, 
speaks up. He's just staring daggers at this guy. Yeah, he's fu- fuming. He's literally fuming. <laughs> I think you can he's see his jaw is tell. like jutted forward. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is this the guy I saw? Am I certain of that? How certain am I? Because yeah. if I'm not 100% on this, I shouldn't say anything. And and you can see the gears turning and you can see him go, no, yes, this is the guy. And just getting angrier and angrier yeah. uh, when he, you know, talks about compromise and the, <laughs> sets him off. It's so good. It was good. Uh, Kim and Jimmy call in at some point and they start listening. Yeah. And we cut back to them for reaction shots throughout this, this debacle, this thing that falls apart. And they're kind of acting like kids. Mm-hmm. Like it's a little immature. Jimmy's doing the the fishing line thing. Yeah. And they're banging it out at the end mm-hmm. <laughs> when well, it goes their way. They're happy. <laughs> the plan went off. Now they're going to go off. Yeah. It just, but it really highlights just how shitty their actions are oh, yeah. at the end. To, to Howard's credit, he figures this out remarkably quick. Like, mm-hmm. he is just on top of it. As soon as he realizes, oh, these are the wrong pictures, he's off to figure out what happened. Yep. Uh, he, he goes to his secretary, finds out the number was switched. Mm-hmm. He, he, he calls every single detail of this. Yeah, he knows he's exactly smart. what's happening. He's a lawyer for a reason, for sure. But how do you, how do you recover from this? You can't. Yeah. I mean, Cliff's not going to believe you. I guess not. I guess his plan was to just namaste his way through it. I guess, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Like we, we'll talk about this a little bit more in that final scene. But yeah, Howard is a guy who apparently, I mean, though we don't get to see a lot of this, has been down before. Mm-hmm. Um, not just with the Chuck stuff and after his death, but before that even. Right. It talks about you know debt problems and all kinds of stuff later on. I don't know. We we don't we don't get to see any of that. I kind of wish we did. I kind of I almost wish this episode had started with a flashback for Howard, mm. giving us a little bit more. Yeah, that might have been some good context. But it's okay. Yeah, we still we still got a lot. Uh, what 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 else is good about this? I I had it kind of separated into two chunks in my notes here. This whole meeting. Um, uh, what else is good? I, I guess after you know the meeting deteriorates, uh, Schweikert tells Cliff, "Look, we're we're going back on the deal here. We're going to the original deal, and if you don't take it, we're reducing it by a million dollars each day until That's brutal. You, yeah, brutal. So that puts the ticking clock on Cliff, which I think is smart, right? Definitely. Um." Forces and his so, hand. Yeah, Cliff realizes. Yeah, this we're this is never going to get better. The damage has been done mm-hmm. at this point. Even if, even if he did believe, and he says this, even if your story was true, it doesn't matter. The damage is done. This deal is rotten now, and we just have to take whatever scraps they're willing to give us, which is still a lot. Oh yeah, it's a big. Settlement. Probably not. Probably not a lot. Not as much as mm-hmm. their offer was. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I do wish more of these cases would go to trial i wish a lot more cases would go to trial especially strong ones like this where there's a lot of evidence in favor of the uh the people uh here who've been hurt by these corporations because man i don't know 
Well, I, I feel like feel people right. need to be held responsible more often than they are. And yeah. in a settlement, you don't have to admit to any wrongdoing. It's a payoff. It's it's literally like we will pay this amount of money to make this problem go mm-hmm. away. It's a it's a fine for wrongdoing. Yeah. Basically, instead of having any actual consequences. And in this case, I I hope I think that the fine is is greater than the amount of money that they made off of this scam. <laughs> but you never know. And also, I mean, sometimes you know. But in this case, I don't think we actually know. No. And then, you know, that they don't the people who do this thing don't learn their lesson because they didn't get uh, their knuckles wrapped. They just yeah. They just had to say sorry. Basically, with they, money. Yeah, they have to keep their nose clean for like the rest of the year, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. It feels wrong. It doesn't feel like justice. I'm with you on that one. Poor Cliff, uh, getting left holding the bag. Whenever Howard's just like, Mrah! and he storms mm-hmm. out, basically, Cliff's like, oh, okay. And he just has to take the full brunt of Schweikert's disdain. Yeah. Which is that's just unfortunate. I like Erin in this scene, too. Uh, she's kind of bogarting the conference call mic for a while. Like She's, I, she's speaking in right into it, and I can't tell she if that's is. because... She knows that everybody on this line is probably going to be old and maybe yeah. a little hard of hearing, or if she's just like a control freak <laughs> and wanted this because she is that. I mean, she's as bad as anal as they come. Uh, yeah. So I, <laughs> I didn't know. I thought it was a nice touch though <laughs> that she's got the microphone like right in front of That's her. That's very her. Yeah, it's very true to her character. I, yeah, it is probably both. Let's be probably. real. Next, we cut to Lalo in his hideout where he's making a video for Donal Audio. He calls Hector's care facility and immediately realizes he messed up. Yeah, apparently the line is bugged. Here's a uh, weird click, and that's all he needs to hear. He realizes it. Uh, he, I, I, But I like his solution here, right? He's mm-hmm. a smart guy. He realizes he can use this to his advantage. Yeah, he immediately he, pivots it. He can find out you know, how many guys Gus has, what his security is like there. Um, he can he can use it to gather intelligence. That's the thing that's been so rough with Lalo is that he is he's a little bit crazy, like mm-hmm. obviously a little bit of a little bit of a sociopath, but he's also smart. Yeah, he plays a little loose too. Yeah. He's like, I'm surprised Flexible. he doesn't get caught more often because he's sloppy, right? He'll he just is, yeah. burn a place to the ground, leave He'll his ram leave a tracks car everywhere. Out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess he's smart and slippery enough to get away each time it's like jimmy he knows where he can slip yeah and where he needs to keep his nose clean mm-hmm. what a what a boogeyman uh and th- this is the scene where he sees the roach at the end right like he calls up uh hector and and says some things that hector doesn't like hector is very much against the idea of hitting gus's laundry Main, tonight. yeah mm-hmm. um you have any idea why that is does he, does he think that if he does that, Eladio will come down on him? I, I think that might be the case. he's the earner. Yeah, and he's also by himself. Yeah. Lalo is all on his lonesome. He might be worried about him. Yeah. Might, yeah, I mean, that is that is one thing you can say about the Salamancas is that they do care about their own family, at least. Yeah. And he is... I would I would say Hector's favorite nephew. 
Yeah, seems like it. Um, I do wonder if, you know, he tips his hand here that he's alive, right? He gives mm -hmm. actual proof to yeah. Gus that he is, in fact, alive, right. whereas Gus always just kind of suspected it. And Mike mm -hmm. was like going along with Gus because right. Gus is his boss, but Mike wasn't totally sure about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I do wonder if he could have just sort of waited them out, like lulled them into like, you know, go four months down the line, still no Lalo. Yeah. Are we really going to, are, are you really going to stay in this safe house? Are you going to keep Gus? paying all these people? Yeah. Right. These, these people. Your bottom line, man. Don't your bottom be doing line. This. You, can, you need to get back to building your super lab. Like, mm -hmm. could Lalo just have waited him out and not tipped his hand that he's alive here? I think he probably could have, but also who wants to wait that long? Sure. In Especially a storm in drain. The sewer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. Uh, but as soon as he makes that call, that second call, uh, he gets the he gets the bugs buzzing. Everybody is mm -hmm. going to battle stations, basically. Yeah. And part of that is mostly leaving the laundromat empty of people, which, silly me, I thought, oh, good for you. Now you can just go in there and do what you need to do, collect proof. But no, of nope. course, of course not. I think Mike says later that Tyrus is in there now uh, yeah. with his guys. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm... I'm, I guess, wondering what the next actual step is. Does he, does he? I'm wondering that too. What, what could he, what useful information could he actually get from Jimmy? That was my first thought when I realized that that second, actually that first candle puff, the way they showed it, I was like, mm -hmm. okay, so Lalo is definitely going to show up here again. Why? Yeah. It's especially, yeah, we'll talk about it more. Yeah, when yeah we get to I, that know, scene. I know, I know. But especially because they cut from... The, the concern now, the going concern from the end of that last Howard scene to the end of the episode mm -hmm. is really the Lalo and Gus and Mike stuff. Yeah. And they go directly from that to the candle thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is Lalo yep. showing back up. But we know how that goes. Oh, oh yes. Yes, we do. Um, so my guess here is that Mike is the thing that connects the dots for him. Like, it has to be. Yeah. He sees Mike there um, coming out of the laundry and then he sees the roach, remembers Jimmy, and he's going back to Jimmy. I'm trying to remember how this might connect back to Mike and back to Gus. Mm -hmm. What evidence did would Lalu have that would have even connected Mike and Jimmy, other than he knows that Jimmy got out of the desert? Exactly. I think that's it. And he's, he's it's highly unlikely that he did it himself. Yeah. And he also found his car full of bullet holes. Uh-huh. So, so he, he knows something is fishy about that. I think he's going back there and he's going to make Jimmy he's talk. sweat him for the story again. Yeah. Dear God. I guess he's going to tell it true this time, though, because he's got a fucking body on the floor. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's serious. Rough. Uh, and I, I did think, okay, it's good now that maybe Mike has people on Kaylee's house. Mm -hmm. But it turns out he pulled those people. He pulled... He pulled everybody off of the non-essential places. Low priority the stuff. Low priority stuff, which was apparently Kim and Jimmy's condo and Uh huh. And probably Kaylee. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like Kaylee. It's high priority yeah. for him, but it's very low priority and likelihood for Gus. For so, sure, yeah. I I wonder if there are still people at Mike's granddaughter's house. I don't know. It's a good question. There are a lot of people moving around. Mm-hmm. But uh, right after we're with Lalo, we were taken to Gus and yet another charity photo shoot at a school gym of all places. It looks like it used to be a hangar. It's weird. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, a lot of <laughs> a lot of basketball. Uh, it's, I hesitate to call it a stadium. Gyms are like this, hmm. and especially in like rural areas, they're these weird. They're like mine uh, are always just big boxes, barn shaped things. Oh yeah, tall boxes. Yeah, hmm. like twenty foot tall ceilings, thirty foot. Yeah, big, tall. Uh, yeah. So while he's there, Mike comes in and gives him the bad news. Tells him he better get the hell out. Mm-hmm. So there's kids around, man. There's kids. We don't want to see children getting shot. Sorry, having a moment. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh shoot. I forgot to. I forgot to mention. So, the sewer storm drain thing that Lalo's hiding out in does not exist in Albuquerque. They don't have those, especially not big like that. So, what these mad lads did was they recycled the tanker truck from Nacho's episode. I thought it looked like that might have been the case. Yeah, they just, they did that and they built around it. Okay. Amazing. Makes a lot of sense. I love it. Do they not have them there because it doesn't rain enough? Ma- yeah, it's ooh, a desert. Yeah. I, that's that's a good, probably mm. right. Because here we need those. Yo, we desperately need those. Yeah. Hmm. Hadn't thought about it. But yeah, I thought that was good, and it wasn't even a deliberate choice so much as they were scrambling at that hmm. point. It was it was one of those situations while they were shooting this where it was like if one person in the team got COVID, then the episodes were not going to air when they needed to. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so they're really, like, trying to pull shit together. Yeah. It's amazing. It's incredible. TV TV sounds hard. Oh, yeah. The, the time, hard to make. The timelines they're working with are very tight. Yeah, it's rough. But that's all. That's all I had to say about that. All right, are we ready to... Oh, let's talk about this final scene. Okay. All right. We cut to finally Kim and Jimmy watching a movie when Howard interrupts with a victory scotch and a lot of justifiably angry questions. He calls them sociopaths and then the biggest sociopath arrives. Yeah. What allows you to do this to me? Nothing. That's a damn good question. Their ballsiness. That's it. Uh, And I I think he's right. I think think he's right about all this you know he's been right about the plan mm-hmm. i feel like he's right about the characterization of them where yeah. they just they get off on it in this scene and the conclusion of this part i'm sure the scene's going to continue in the next part of the season but the end of the scene is them getting punished again mm-hmm. for messing around with people's lives for their own benefit yeah and they deserve it well, I think so. Um, a couple of references here that might shed a little bit of light on this scene or maybe the future of uh, Kim and Jimmy. Lay it on me. Uh, this movie that they're watching at the very mm-hmm. beginning is called Born Yesterday. It's from 1950. Uh, don't believe everything everything you read on Reddit because they got the description of this completely wrong. Hmm. Uh, it was clear that the person who wrote it had not seen the movie. Oh, no. I went to IMDb, I looked up the synopsis of the film, and this is a movie about a woman who considers herself dumb or has never like challenged herself um, and kind of gets walked all over, by, uh, all over for it by the people in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the course of the film, she gets with a reporter who's like her life tutor I don't know and he takes her to museums and then teaches her a whole bunch of stuff and it turns out she's not dumb 
Mm. She just had never really done anything. Unexposed. Yeah. Yeah. It's and through the course before me. Of, of doing all that and experiencing new things, she eventually wisens up to the fact that her, uh, I, I don't know if it's boyfriend, husband, whatever, uh, has been just the worst. Um, he, he's like a drug dealer or whatever, too. Mm. Um, and she eventually real like grows beyond him. Right. Uh, and I thought that was could be pretty telling with what we know of Kim and Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy is the con man, right? The criminal. He can mm-hmm. be likened to that guy who is kind of just walking all over her doing things. It gets a little muddy because Kim has been more in the driver's seat lately. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of possibility here with like you you were talking about with the events going on here like what how is kim gonna react to this that's my it's, that's my other question it's yeah it's a big it's a big event it's um, huge and we have some some pretty good emails on this too so i don't want to step all over it okay. but definitely like i'm thinking about kim i'm thinking about jimmy and like the things that howard's saying like you've you chose the you chose this like mm-hmm. You did it because you're just excited by it. You get off on this. Yeah, yeah. you're not. You're not. I don't know. And he calls them uh, Leopold and Loeb. Yeah. Um, which is another reference to some criminals who were like college professors at like Chicago University, pretty huh. prestigious university. Um, and they decided, hey, we're going to commit the perfect crime. So they abducted and murdered a 14-year-old girl just to try and get away with a crime. Wow. For no real reason whatsoever. Because they thought they were smarter than everybody. Cool. Turns out they got their asses busted. They both went to prison for... They they got life plus 99 years. Both went to prison. One of them died in prison. The other one paroled out somehow. I have no idea how you parole out from a life plus 99 years sentence. Right. But they did. So... These dumbasses thought they could get away with the perfect crime. That's what he's saying to them. It's yeah. like, you people think you're so smart mm-hmm. that you can fool everybody. And that and everybody here we is... are. You didn't fool me. Yeah. Uh, right. I know exactly what you're up to. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful final scene for him. Yeah. And I love, too, that reference. It's so specific to mm-hmm. a lawyer, right? That would have been a big <laughs> <Yeah>. case. <laughs> Catching yeah. the people who think they're committing the perfect crime. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's just like Howard stuff. to know about it. Just like him. Yeah. Let's talk about these, that candle, man, that candle. Yes. That was a beautiful, I basically already did talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it again. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. The Watching it wave the first time when Howard opens the door and then just cutting to it waving the second time. Yep. Was so, it was so horror movie. It was so reinforcing this idea that I I and other people have had this whole time of Lalo being this ghost that's haunting everybody. Yeah. It's spectral and poignant and dramatic. I love it. And and they lull you a couple of times in this episode. They lull you into this false sense of like oh I I now know what's going to happen in this scene, mm-hmm. right? Like oh this isn't the big Lalo scene that I thought it was when you right. see the candle waver the first time, mm-hmm. the, the flame wiggle. Uh, <laughs> and then Howard walks in you're like, "Oh no, this is this is this this is a Howard scene." Mm-hmm. This is a and, confrontation. And then 
everything changes with that second wiggle, yes. right? All they have to do is show you that wiggle and you're like, and you know, oh no, right? this is the scene I thought it was. Yeah. <sighs> so rough. And, and it's the switcheroo twice. It's like, yeah. Because the first time, like I said, you're coming off of the Lalo, Gus, Mike stuff, and you're mm-hmm. thinking, okay, this is the natural uh, lead-in to the confrontation with Lalo. Right. Um, and he's going to show up at the door, and then he doesn't. It's Howard. And the second time they switch a room, it is Lalo. It is it's, Lalo. It's both. It's yeah, both. Yeah, it's crazy somehow. good. I love this scene. And just watching these two two worlds that could could not be more different oh, right. colliding is amazing howard thinking that he's going to be able to back his way out of this because because it's people right you could always talk your way out of people you can you can smile real big and get yourself out of a situation and that's and and he's he's there for like the most important thing in his life he's like on a mission right now yeah what he doesn't realize is there is something much bigger and much scarier than he is right now so much bigger yeah and then when he finally when Law walks in and he's like, I recommend getting different lawyers, you know, it's like, yeah. he doesn't realize what's going on here he, at he all. He has no idea. And there's no way Even that he could know. The, the look on, the look on Jimmy Kim and, and Jimmy's face is, should yes. tell him everything he needs to know. Like oh, yeah. Howard leave. He probably thinks it's part of the ruse, right? Like, that's the thing. Yeah. I, I almost wish they had had him turn to Lalo and be like, oh, are you in on it too? What What are you going to do to me, huh? Are you going to yeah. dye my hair blue? What? You, <laughs> what's What next, Jimmy? What next? And then gun to the head. But like... Yeah. That would have been more Chuck than Howard. I yeah. Think. Yeah, I think you're right. But man, even uh, just as constructed, it's such a good scene. It is. And I got to say, Kim and Jimmy like immediately screaming when he gets shot in the head. That was me, too. That was yeah. me. That was me and you on the couch. Like, mm-hmm. what? Even though we knew, it, and that's part of what makes it so great, is because at that point, you know what's coming. Yeah. He's screwing the silencer onto his gun. Someone's getting shot. Howard is a witness at this point. Yeah. It's just uns- unceremonious. It's very it's just unceremonious. Like, matter of fact, I'm just going to kill this guy. And then the... And then he goes straight. He goes straight back to Lalo right after. He was like, "Okay, let's talk." Yeah. Like, oh right? my god, psychopath, chilling. <laughs> but I, mm, but I still hit it. <laughs> I still hit it. I'm sorry. Do you think this changes the Sandpiper case at all? Is this like? Mm. I don't know if they've already signed lead the papers. Lawyer shows up dead in Jimmy's apartment. It, it, a, I mean, is he going to be found? Is there that, going to be a body? That's my next question. With that, yeah, dealing with that fallout is going to be really interesting to see how they handle that the rest of the season. Yeah. Dear God. And how about Kim? How is this going to weigh on her conscience? One, that yeah. they did this to Howard. Two, she knew Lala was still alive and she didn't tell another fucking right? soul. Yeah. So how, ooh, how do you like those apples, Kim? <laughs> I, I love it because when Lala walks in, Jimmy looks at him and he's horrified. He's, yeah. And he says, how? Yeah. And then Kim right beside him says, Howard, you need to leave. There's like this how mm-hmm. Howard combination, H.O. Ward combination that they've got going here that I just felt was like pretty clever. It was, it was a really beautifully constructed scene, yeah. especially with it, it being a scene that we've sort of a little bit already seen before. But kind of, yeah. But just in a completely different 
context it's even scarier than the first time it happened Mm -hmm. because now he's pissed now he doesn't really have that much to lose yeah and and we know you know he's he's here for a reason and we know what that reason is it's yeah and he's not going to leave without an answer the first time he wasn't satisfied exactly he's probably kicking himself for just leaving the first time right (sighs) but yeah howie he gets shot in the head he falls he bounces so sad yeah and that is the end it's the end of the episode yep got more to say about that scene but we've got some emails that might take care of that right let's do it all right as you can probably imagine we got a ton of feedback on this episode and i had to cut a bunch of it sorry um i basically cut almost everything that came in between last week's podcast and the episode airing because uh, we have so much to talk about here with and this episode. A lot of those questions are answered now. And, and a lot of those questions were answered, yeah. So um, there was one question that I gave to the audience that they had to answer, and we'll just take care of it real quick. Jen, Joe, and Andrew got the answer right. Jim likes Revenge of the Sith, <laughs> which is the only one I haven't seen, says Jen. Uh, gave up after the second. So I haven't seen the best. Is that one, two, or three? This is the third it's one? It's three, yeah. Okay. I thought that might be the one, just because that's the only one where things that you would care about happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, good so, job, you guys. Yeah, you got it. Um, Tom from Atlanta says, ho, ho, hold your horses there. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot to send this. Remember two years ago when I jokingly predicted oh, someone was going to lose a foot because of all the feet stuff during season five? You even read it on the podcast. Well, I was right. I was just two years ahead. Either that or Gould listens to your podcast and was inspired by my brilliant insight. <laughs> Either way, I'll be taking my internet points, please. Thanks, as always, for reading the deep stuff as well as the stupid stuff. You get 17 internet points for that. Congratulations. Yeah, he did also include the original email. He says, I've included the original email below as proof somebody <laughs> nobody tries to gaslight my ass. Uh, unfortunately, the original email only mentions hands. There are no feet anywhere oh. in that email. So uh, I don't know if you can get the points, Tom. That's iffy. Only Tom is going to understand what I'm doing here. All right. Uh, oh, we got one more before we get to this week's episode. Alan says, I'm with you guys on the broken arm. I don't know why they didn't just have someone see him in the courthouse parking lot instead of the liquor store. Here's the thing. Now that we've seen this episode, I think I understand I think this is a timing thing. And I think timing applies to a lot of this season. Um, the reason mm-hmm. we we s- kept getting set up episodes and set up episodes is because we needed to understand that a lot of time was passing, right? Right. That call that they made to Howard's secretary to change the number was three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's, it's difficult to say how much time has passed exactly in this plan leading up to D-Day, but it's clearly been, like Howard said, weeks, months, you know, how long has it been? Um, and with Lalo running around in Germany and needing time to get from Mexico to Germany and Germany to the U.S., mm-hmm. um, there are there are a lot of timing issues that I think they were working with here. And so they kind of slow rolled that plot yeah, a little bit. But it doesn't feel like it when you're watching it, I think. Um, or they were trying to... What I think they were doing is trying to make it feel like time was passing. Mm-hmm. Like they, they were really building something. Um, and I think it more or less worked to accomplish that. Whether it was exciting is another question altogether. But yeah, I think that's it. Like 
the 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 piece that you know speaks to the judge here and seeing them in the liquor store is you needed enough time between the judge leaving the liquor store and and Jimmy seeing him to him getting into this meeting for them to reshoot that right yeah. those photos because if they if he saw him in the courthouse parking lot there's not enough time the yeah, guy's going into late. the meeting it's yeah it's done um, it's not at the courthouse it's, it's at, at HHM, HHM yeah but yeah or if he saw him at Omaha Beach <laughs> not sure. enough time right right. So I think it was a matter of timing. Like, let's see him outside of the areas that the Jimmy would be likely to run into him at, mm-hmm. um, even though it doesn't make a lot of sense that he would run into him there. Yeah, it, it it's reasonable, though. I agree with you, um, especially it being a liquor store. I don't think it's out of the question for adult professionals to gift booze to each other. Yeah, I, I assume pretty it's pretty normal near the courthouse or near HHM or something. Yeah, it must be. Uh, all right, let's get on to this week's episode. Uh, first off, we have Judah writing in saying, after the way the season has gone up until this most recent episode, I know I was left wondering what would be the final moment or a series of moments that would send Jimmy fully on his way to becoming Saul Goodman we see in Breaking Bad. After the way this episode ended, I was left wondering if this is that final moment many of us have been waiting for or if there's more to come. I'm curious if you think that the death of Howard and the aftermath of that will inevitably cause him to go full Saul Goodman or do you think there's a couple other crucial moments we've yet to see? And I think when people say full Saul Goodman, they mean the amoral guy, yeah. you know, who's willing to kill Badger or whatever. Right. The one who had, doesn't have a heart anymore, basically. Yeah. When does when does he lose his heart? Mm-hmm. I I think we got a little, I think we have a little more to go still. It's just my personal, mostly just because we have so many episodes left. Yeah. But I do think that the downward trend is definitely started. I think there's a, a pretty defining moment ahead of us, um, especially when you speak to Jimmy's heart that is going to change it. And I, th- I think both the second half of this email and Alex C next up from New York kind of have this right. Um, so Judah continues. Secondly, as, as we, the audience know, Jimmy will eventually fully delve into the life of crime, but Kim's future is very much up in the air. Do you think the death of Howard will push Kim further into a life of crime or have her scrambling to get out of it? Uh, And Alex C. from NYC thinks it will pull Kim out. He says, this is where Jimmy and Kim divide. Recall how they deal with trauma and grief, such as Chuck's death. Kim wanted to confront it head on, deal with it, be affected by it. Jimmy puts it in a box and ignores it. Jimmy's going to deal with this by going full Saul and never thinking about this or talking about it. For Kim, it'll be a bridge too far and drive them apart. I wouldn't be surprised to see her move somewhere new for a totally fresh start. And, and that's where you, Jimmy loses his heart, right? Yeah. When, when he loses Kim. I think that's really what it is. A lot of the reason why he's been going along with this shit was just to keep Kim around. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, I mean, he's been yeah. desperate to do that the whole series. He really has, but especially this last scam with Howard. He was never really completely on board. We can tell just from his <laughs> trying to talk her out of it early on and then mm-hmm. his facial expressions ever after. Right. He was not completely on board, and then this happens. And if she leaves, yeah, then I don't... She probably is his last piece of humanity oh, yeah. at this point. I think so. Uh, Tom says, while I love the tragedy of Howard's demise and it always anticipated that his death would somehow be Kim's punishment for their wickedness, 
I, of course, never imagined it would come at Lalo's hands. Though as perfect as that scene felt, in retrospect, it does strain credulity. Why would a guy who just camped out for four nights in a sewer (laughs) not have the patience to wait in the shadows until his this stranger he's heard ranting at Jim and Kimmy leaves. J- Jim and Kimmy. You wrote Jim and Kimmy. <laughs> Damn <friends>. you. <laughs> he was trying to trip you up. Ah, being gaslit. Yep. Uh, gaslighted? 15 minutes playing flip phone bejeweled in the car seemed <laughs> worth the wait to avoid killing a rando. Uh, yeah. I suppose. But time is also of the essence. He doesn't know how quickly guys are going to be called back to various places, right? He's on a warpath at this point. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. I I didn't think of this until just now. We know that some of Mike's guys were on Kim. Mm-hmm. Did he pull those too? Seems like it. Or or I I say that. We don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe there are witnesses to this. this. Exactly. Yeah. We're still in this scene. Like Mike's guys could be calling on the radio right now. Lalo's here. Lalo's here. Mm-hmm. Could be. I doubt it. But <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I, but... I think this is one of the the long shot targets he pulled people off of. Low priority. Yeah. Uh, but I love the vagueness of him just saying he pulled it off low priority targets. Great. So we don't we don't even get to know. Yeah. Perfect. Paul says, wow, what an ending. I thought that Howard and Hank might have some parallels. They both find out that they're nemesis, or at least the source of evil that they had to deal with, i.e. Hank finding out about Walt uh, being Heisenberg and Howard realizing Jimmy and Kim being behind everything. Uh, Both had some kind of closure or triumph before they got shot. Hank arrested Walt. Howard confronted Kim and Jimmy and got somewhat of a confession. What do you think? Are there any more parallels between those characters? Uh, Howard and Hank. I wasn't seeing the Howard and Hank stuff. What I was, I was looking at it through the lens of Howard and Chuck. Yeah. Um, and and Jimmy through the Jimmy lens, getting both of them sort of killed. But I suppose that there are some parallels there too, with Hank. Yeah, some parallels. There are some really uh, good memes and posts that have come out of this episode. I was enjoying those thoroughly. Oh yeah. Yeah, one of them. Describe I, them. Describe okay. memes to me. They will be twice as funny when described. All right. I use meme as a very loose term. They're not always funny. The thing that's really sticking out in my mind right now with this point in the conversation is there was fan art of Jimmy kind of like sitting with his head in his hands and behind him are the photos of Chuck, the paintings of Chuck, and then there's another one of Howard and there's blood splashed across both. Hmm. Like that is very poignant. That was not funny. It wasn't funny. I didn't mean I for it to memes be. Were memes supposed to be funny. Not always. Oh. You okay. have. I was going to say a toddler's understanding of memes, but I feel like a toddler would understand memes more at this point. You have probably toddlers are on Twitter, right? You have a seventy-five-year-old's understanding of memes, <laughs> sir. Sir. Whatever. I remember Numa Numa. Oh. <laughs> Is that a meme? Star Wars kid. I remember them all. All the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those too, but only barely. Yeah. All right. Reginald says, Mike tells Gus that Lalo's coming for him while Gus is surrounded by children. That reminded me of George W. H. How, how many letters are in the middle there? The young Bush. W. Yeah. Being told, is the dad. <laughs> being told about the attacks on 9-11 while he was at an elementary school in Sarasota. Mm. It's 
weird that you bring this up and that yes they did this in the episode because i was just i just started watching veep Mm. and season one they do this exact same thing with selena uh, being told of something terrible that happens while she's sitting with a bunch of school kids. And and, and so this was like in my head while while you were describing it. And I'm like, wow, they this is like burned into the American psyche, this mm-hmm. image. Everybody who was alive at the time and could, can recollect it remembers this image. Yeah, absolutely. People were furious about it, but honestly, I don't blame the guy. Like, what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> you're sitting there. You get the worst news of anybody's life. Yeah. And you're in front of a bunch of children. You do you want to freak them the fuck right? out? Or do you, you want to play it cool? excuse yourself in a timely manner and yeah. get... Yeah. Yeah. I don't envy that position. Do. No. Yeah. It's... Nobody... I don't think any of us really know what we would actually do in that position right. unless we were in that position. And thank goodness most of us aren't. Yeah. Because that sounds hard. Mm-hmm. Sounds real hard. Life's already hard. But it's definitely something that I think writers and directors have put into works. Yeah. Maybe even subconsciously in a lot of cases. I'm not sure that this was supposed to parallel that, but when you see it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's that image. If And also, if for another reason, then just high contrast. We love high contrast sure. in media. Dante writes in, says, maybe I'm on an island, but I think Gilligan, Gould, and Gang the G3 are losing their fastball when it comes to the storytelling and writing part of a show Mm. in isolation. I liked the episode. The first half was very entertaining with Saul and the woman with a piece missing, trying to recreate the photos (laughs) and Patrick Fabian was great. But when I think about this episode in totality in the context of the final season and this being a mid season finale, I don't think it holds up after the revelation of the D day plan. Was it really worth three to four episodes of setup? I still don't think they did a good enough job explaining why they did this to Howard. Um, stop there for a second. I, I Like I said, I think Howard nailed it. Howard, you know, just realizes that Kim has this streak to her mm-hmm. that he never saw in her before because she never showed it. Right. And intentionally, I think, repressed it. After that flashback we see with her mom, Yeah. I think she was holding that stuff at bay and when Jimmy kind of unlocked that part of her personality, it all just came flooding out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's like a dam. They've been holding back the water for so long. There's so much of it, and it just goes overboard, right? Mm-hmm. You start to lose track of what what is okay and what isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so I, I think I know why they did it, but if they didn't work for you, I understand. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I liked his final monologue at the end, and I sided with him on Jimmy and Kim, but I wasn't heartbroken about his death because we didn't spend much time with him. We get almost obsessed level detail on Lalo living in a fucking sewer and taking <laughs> truck, stop, truck stop showers, but we didn't get enough detail on Howard in order for his death to have the impact that they were going for. Wow, we got a scene of his wife pouring the coffee he made in a cup, <laughs> and... Also, why did Lalo even kill Howard? Oh, it was because of the mid-season finale and they needed a pseudo-cliffhanger. Pseudo-cliffhanger, shut your mouth. <laughs> this is a hell of a cliffhanger. This is exactly how I like cliffhangers. We'll, we'll actually get to this in an email later. Um, I think this is a great cliffhanger. Anyway. Well-constructed. Well <laughs> uh, I think they ran out of story. Lalo versus Gus and his goons has zero stakes. I don't freaking care. We know Lalo doesn't survive. Well, we, we think we know, yeah. And we know the fate of the Super Lab. Took me a long time to even come around to start watching this show and still don't get the people who say the show is better than Breaking Bad. 
after one of the best shows ever, Breaking Bad ended, and they announced Saul. I was against it because I felt it wasn't needed. I thought those early seasons of Slippin' Jimmy and Doc Review were tough to get through. However, I do think season four and season five were a big step up. To end on a somewhat positive note, I still think all the other aspects of the show, the acting, the writing, cinematography, directing, etc., are still very good. But to me, those are all icing on the story cake. Hmm. Uh, I did want to read read that because it is kind of it is one of the few dissenting uh, opinions I got on this finale specifically. I think right. you're probably not far off with the way a lot of people felt about those three episodes of setup. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot to get through, including me. I I'm maybe I'm guilty of being impatient. Maybe I this just didn't feel like Better Call Saul because they haven't done this kind of stuff before. But um, I'm with you on that. I, I was not thrilled by the last three episodes. Uh, the last one was better. This one I think is very good. Um, but yeah, I can I can understand if it's you know taking its toll on your enjoyment. For sure. All right, Dave from Melbourne. Excuse me, Melbourne. There you go. Yeah, I like it. Jesus. <laughs> I cannot believe that that episode from Lalo doing his best Pennywise impression <laughs> to the Howard Con, the candle letting us know that something isn't right, and of course, the murder of Howard. It's such an incredible episode, but I have to say, I really felt uncomfortable watching Jimmy run to hand the photos off, knowing that Bob Odenkirk has had a heart attack during the making of the season. I don't think it was during this episode, but it was still a little unnerving. I'm with you. Like, I shouldn't be thinking about this. I didn't want to be thinking about this while watching fine, the episode. Because he's fine. He's now. fine now. He's yeah. fine now. Uh, but yeah, I, I was. I was thinking, like, <laughs> is this the thing? Is this was this the problem? Oh, is that really in everybody in the back of everybody else's heads? Like, oh, what was the episode? What was it the is, trigger? It, well, when, it, it's not. It's not in my head until I see him doing something physically strenuous like <laughs> this, and then I go. Oh no! This man just had a heart attack. Don't make him run, or or like this. Yeah, is this the scene that did it? I, uh, why can't I just watch TV and enjoy it without having to feel bad for people? <laughs> so you're, it's a pesky humanity of yours. Ugh! Blech. Don't need it. Get Barf. rid of it. Uh, he says it's also kind of fitting that all the efforts that Kim and Jimmy had gone to, to destroy Howard ended up doing that, just not in the way that they had planned. Yeah. Howard shouldn't have gone out this way, but what a moment. I'm now worried for Kim, but also know the introduction of the Disappearer business card last episode. I do really hope she gets away and we end the series with Gene and Kim meeting back up again. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that that becomes more interesting now, right? Like with with... The threat of violence, not just a threat anymore, but yeah. or not just an implied threat, but like an explicit threat. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see her disappearing. I mean, it's it's come to the point now where she is a known entity, and I think if she does want out of this completely, yeah, she probably will have to disappear or die. Yeah, or be safe in jail. Um, or Lalo could be killed. Yeah. I don't know. It's Hector doesn't know who she is. I don't. It's true. I mean, Mike does, but Mike and Gus have no use for her. Once the Lala threat is dealt with, I think it'd be fine. So she's got a couple ways out, but I, I do think it's looking more likely that if she survives, she's going to have to get out of this life and mm-hmm. you know take Jimmy's heart with it, like you said. Yeah. Uh, Dave from North Carolina. Everyone will remember this episode for a shocking final scene, and rightfully so. 
However, I'm conflicted about the first 40 minutes watching the Howard scheme play out. The show had been building toward the scam all season, but it played out exactly how everyone thought it would. The reshoots, the drugs on the pictures, the PI working for Saul, Howard confronting the judge, botching the case, and humiliating himself. It was all extremely predictable. It reminded me of the Westworld season one reveal about Ed Harris and Jimmy Simpson's characters. Uh, everyone paying attention already knew what was going to happen. At first, this annoyed me, but after second watch, I'm thinking maybe that's what Gould and Gilligan wanted. Uh, like they were trying to lull the viewer into thinking what uh, that we had it all figured out, mm-hmm. just so Howard's death would catch us even more off guard. If that's true, it's pretty freaking brilliant. I would say it did work. It for did me work. There. It worked for me too. It, yeah, absolutely. like I described, I thought this was going to be a Lalo scene. Mm-hmm. Now it's a Howard scene. Oops, nope, it's still a Lalo scene, yeah. and now Howard's dead. It was like. All that stuff worked, and then, like I said, the second layer of switching these photos on him in the the scene where he makes a fool of himself, it was that extra little bit that I didn't <laughs> see coming that no one predicted. Yeah. It would have, I got, yeah, it would have been. I kind of see uh, what this person's saying. It might have been nice if there were maybe a couple more of those little things that we mm-hmm. didn't see coming, but it does work very effectively as a way to lull us into yeah. thinking that we're so smart. We're so yeah. smart. We got it all figured out. We know exactly what's going to happen to everybody. And the show has been smarter um, about how it's done this stuff, too. I think, like, season four, season five, the yup stuff, <laughs> all, all that yeah. stuff. It was hard to tell what Jimmy was doing, even though, mm-hmm. like I said, they were playing with their cards face up, right? Mm-hmm. You can see him interviewing a bunch of people on a green screen. You can mm-hmm. see him looking at the logos of of Mesa Verde, you, all the pieces are there. It's just, there's no way to really connect them. You don't, you don't have enough the context. Yeah. This, they played a little fast and loose with that. I thought. Yeah. It is interesting. Also, um, it feels a little bit. So we've had like three hours of television, four hours leading up to this one, you know, 30 to 40 minute chunk and you do have to ask yourself, uh, was it worth, was all of it worth it? <laughs> yeah. No, totally. I, yes I agree. And, That's, I think yes and no is, the, is uh-huh. the right answer here. Yeah. And like I said, I think it'll play better once you binge it. Definitely. Um, don't yeah. have to wait four weeks to see the conclusion of it. You don't have to watch two setup episodes. Or wait, sorry. You don't have to watch one setup episode twice. And then another setup episode twice, and then another setup episode twice. <laughs> yeah, like we like did we, for a podcast. <laughs> that's Certainly. rough. So yeah, when you're not doing that, when you're just watching it like a TV show, yeah, it might feel better. And again, that's a lot of people said that about the last season of Breaking Bad. Yeah, same shit. So that's the thing. I, I think this episode was a very, very good episode. I don't think this has been the best season of Better Call Saul so far. That's. That's my general feeling too. Yeah, there are some standout moments, but mm-hmm. as far as actual episodes go, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Uh, let's move on to Brian, who had a few questions. Uh, I had to cut this first one because we proved it. Yes, spinning a can of soda, <laughs> even slowly. You don't have to spin it like a fucking top. No, nope. we'll make it safe to open. Uh, Question number two, why does Howard park his car outside on his driveway instead of in his four-car garage? Other more expensive cars, I assume? Yeah, he's got a Jaguar, but maybe that's his beater. 
Yeah, that's a that's a <laughs> shitty Jaguar. His daily driver. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, why does Kim need to come back on D Day? So this this might be interesting. Um, yeah. All she does is wrap an arm and temporarily drop some footwear. Five people are already involved to take a couple pictures. I think adding another person is more likely to slow it down than speed it up. Um, my only thing is she saved a little bit of time by picking up supplies mm-hmm. on her way. That's true. She Yeah, she was the one who picked up all the crap for the fake cast. And Jimmy didn't have time to do it. He was out recruiting his team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see that anyone else really has the time because they, they everything is pretty much like a assembly line here and it yeah. just it needs to go off the way it went off otherwise they don't have enough time to do it mm-hmm. yeah this all happens in the span of the same morning from when jimmy sees dude picking up the liquor to assembling yeah. the crew it's all the same yeah, it's a few hours yeah same few hour span mm-hmm. all right craig says i wanted to add my thoughts on the subject of setup episodes and sometimes, especially during the last season, viewers can get impatient. <laughs> Often people forget these thoughts um, and they fade in time and you're left with the good memories. I do remember that Breaking Bad had a lot of slow episodes, but we all remember the whole as an amazing show. What they did here was show you that, yes, the scam went well. And like a good magician, your eyes were all on that and not on the actual consequences of their actions. Mm-hmm. And some consequences they were indeed. Uh, Doug L., our resident uh, legal expert here, not giving legal advice, but telling us how it is uh, from the law's perspective. Doug L. says, so the ham scam mostly played out the way everyone seemed to think it would. Howard be embarrassed, and this would lead to a settlement in the Sampire case. In typical Villagang fashion, the dramatic value is less about the what, since the audience was ahead of the game, and more about the impact, the effect on the characters. Yeah. That said, I did want to point out some issues with the ham scam mechanics <laughs> from a legal perspective. The scam somewhat overvalues the role of a mediator, which, uh, by which I mean a biased mediator can only do so much damage. It's obviously not ideal, but there's no reason to react the way Howard did. Sometimes a mediator will start with a joint session, like the one in this week's episode, but eventually the two camps will be put into separate rooms. The mediator acts as a go-between, encouraging them to make settlement proposals and using ostensibly impartial analysis of the case to persuade the parties to inch closer to an acceptable compromise. But the parties themselves are in control of what is proposed or accepted. No matter how biased the mediator, he or she could not persuade me or my client to make a move we didn't agree with. What an untrustworthy mediator could do is take something you tell the mediator in confidence and reveal it to the opponent, something they are forbidden from doing. If I suspected a mediator was biased, I could choose to end the mediation or be very careful about what I said, but there would be no reason to publicly accuse the mediator of bias in front of both sides. Let me ask you something, Doug. Especially right out of the gate. Let me ask you something, Doug. Have you ever ever had too much coffee? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got to remember Howard is on drugs. He's a a little bit on drugs. Uh, I don't know about you. I get uh, very angry and very fast. When I'm tweaking. Doug says that, actually, at the (laughs) end of this paragraph. Perhaps his impulsiveness could be attributed to whatever Jimmy dosed him with. Yeah. But absent that, I don't know many attorneys that would have reacted the way Howard did. Uh, So what about the outcome? If the parties did have concerns about the mediator, they could find a new one and probably reschedule for another date a month or two down the line. If the clients had concerns about Howard, they could put a new attorney on it, and the settlement value doesn't change, as that's driven by the case facts far more than the individual attorneys. That that means this was really entertaining to watch, but I maintain this was a lot of risk for Jimmy and Kim without a guarantee this scheme would work, especially when they could just wait for the case to resolve on its own. Mm-hmm. 
that that you are correct about. This is not necessarily about ending this case. This is more about getting Howard because it's fun. Getting Howard because it's fun. Yeah. When and he they, said, they think he deserves it for some reason. <laughs> yeah. When he said you get off on this, I mean, he wasn't wrong. They were literally going at it like rabbits. Yeah. Like the second the, the they were conference still on the call. was over. They yeah. Still on the call. Aaron I, could probably hear him. Good. <laughs> she deserves it. I think they were muted. I, I, I believe <laughs> cell phone I technology was such that the mute button existed, but. Probably. <laughs> All right, Tyler P. says, with this ending being one of the most shocking final scenes I have ever seen, I was still left with the question of why would Lalo go to Kim and Jimmy? Maybe I'm late to the party, but it dawned on me that it's the same thing Lalo was searching for in Germany, proof against Gus. I think Lalo's plan was to go to the apartment to get the information out of Jimmy that he failed to obtain last season in Bad Choice Road. Mm -hmm. I also think he was planning on killing Kim to show Jimmy he isn't fucking around, but Howard being there allowed him to get the same results. Rest in peace, Howard. You didn't deserve any of this. Uh, you could be right about that. You could be right. He he might have inadvertently saved Kim. Yeah. If we find out that that was true in the next episode, that's going to be pretty devastating. Like, even more devastating that Howard gave yeah. his life for the person who's been trying to ruin his. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> bitter. This, so bitter. This is the thing I was talking about when I did the preview cast and I was saying I want to see something beyond the pale. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't necessarily need to see Howard die, but Howard dying is beyond the pale. Like, it is beyond the pale. It's I'm, a huge. I'm very angry at both of them because I don't think Howard deserved it. Yeah, I think Howard is a better human being than either either of these people. He's Generally, certainly shown yeah. more potential for growth, mm-hmm. um, to positive growth. Right. Because Kim has definitely changed a lot, but not for the positive. It's true. He was trying. He, he he is yeah. all of us at our best moments when we're just trying. We're just mm-hmm. trying to do the best that we can with the knowledge that we have and trying to move forward yeah. while also like acknowledging any past harms that we've done. Yeah, no, he he was he was all right. He was an all right dude. Mm-hmm. And I am also very angry at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know if I'm they like, deserve to die for this. Maybe. I'm 2% maybe. less worried for Kim. I'm still very worried for her, but I'm like 2% less worried because okay. I'm also mad at her. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anthony in Sacramento says, years back, not sure which pod, but probably The Walking Dead. Ah, uh, this is a cliffhanger one. Said something about, uh, A.A. Brown said something about uh, cliffhangers that stuck with me. He said, one of the best examples was Best of Both Worlds from The Next Generation. The reveal of Picard as Locutus was the shock, but the cliffhanger was the reaction. What does Riker do? How does the crew react? The Mr. War fire line was perfect since it shifted the tension from the shocking reveal to the reaction, which is what a cliffhanger should be. Like a great book, when the chapter ends, you should be so hungry for the next scene that you can't help yourself from turning the page. You have to force yourself to put it down and breathe. I feel the same way about the Better Call Saul mid-season finale. Five more minutes is all I want. (laughs) Uh... The reveal of Lalo in the apartment was the shock. They could have left it there, and lesser shows would have. But the Villa gang and killed Howard, and now Jimmy and Kim must react. Like Riker, the shock and despair is secondary. The reaction to this moment is the real cliffhanger. Yes, I've always said, mm-hmm. I don't want to know. I don't want the cliffhanger to be what happens. I want it to be what happens next. Right. Like, exactly. How do these characters react to the thing that happened? Mm-hmm. And. The worst possible example of this that I have ever seen on television 
is in The Walking Dead, which is a piece of shit show and you shouldn't watch it. (laughs) (laughs) It's Negan killing someone with Lucille. It's his bat. He kills someone. We don't know who. Wow. Right? Really? They, they leave that as a cliffhanger to the next season. He swings the bat. He smashes someone. Leech. They fall over, but we're seeing it from their POV, so we have no idea who it is. <sighs> the, probably the worst cliffhanger I've ever seen. Yeah, that's awful. Forget yeah. that. Because what, what is there to talk about there? Nothing. Just you who, talk about who, is, who it? is it? Who is it? I, 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 it. I don't know. What facts do we have to go on? None. He swung a bat. <laughs> they, they are... Uh, very susceptible to bat damage. <laughs> right. They're weak As to bat damage. Human would be, yeah. <laughs> a negative 10 to bat damage. <laughs> right. That, and that, that's the thing, right? There's nothing to talk about there. Here, yeah. there's everything to talk about. Yes. Like, how, what does Where Lalo do, we do go next? From here? How do Jimmy and Kim react? Uh, is this going to be the thing that drives Kim out of yeah, is this a splinter? Jim, Jimmy's life? Like, right. There are so many things to talk about here and such a rich conversation to have. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they had, you know, had him screw the gun on and then the episode just ended or like he walks in and the episode ends, you don't, you don't have anything to talk about. Or it's like, what is he going to do? That or even worse, you see the second flicker of the candle flame and then black. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that sure. feels like. And then it's Aaron walking in and <laughs> says, oh, Mr. Mr. HHM, I forgot to tell you. Here's your shaken soda. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I agree with you. Couldn't agree more on yeah. uh, cliffhangers. Dan in in Mogador? Mogador? Mogador. Gotta be Mogador. Uh, somewhere in the UK, I think. A uh, couple of quick things. You said last week that nothing Better Call Saul does could negatively impact your feelings about Breaking Bad. What if at the end of Better Call Saul we see Jimmy falling into a coma and it's revealed that all the events of Breaking Bad are nothing more than Jimmy's <laughs> coma-induced dream? Well, all right. Okay. Fine. <laughs> yeah. It still wouldn't change Breaking Bad. <laughs> no. I could just ignore it like I do the prequels of Star Wars. <laughs> uh on a more serious note, I enjoyed the last seven episodes, but it felt like there was something missing for the majority of the run. I realized that it was in, what it was in the final moments of episode seven. The scene with Jimmy, Kim, Howard, and Lalo was pretty much the first scene in the entire run where we've known exactly what was happening and exactly what the stakes were. I honestly felt like I was seeing all these characters for the first time in this season because every other scene they've been in, we haven't been fully aware of their motivations, plans, or even exactly what is happening. I think they played too much of a fake game across these seven episodes, and it was really highlighted when we finally arrived at a scene where we were all in it together. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, mm. it because of... It, it, we we haven't had an opportunity to talk about a scene in this uh, this amount of depth before, because every scene has been like, well, what are they doing? You know, like, why are they doing this? But when Lalo walks in when you see that second flame Mm -hmm. you know you know exactly like he said what the stakes are yeah um you know what the danger is here you know how this could go and Mm -hmm. if it goes that way it's very bad for everyone you get so much from just a single shot the yeah the rest of the season is missing that and i feel like better call Saul has been very good at that throughout most of its run yeah is is just letting me 
get into the story and realize that when something happens, it has these implications. Right. This season season has been a lot different, in my opinion. Yeah, there are a lot fewer of these uh, pure emotional moments, these like primal moments, basically. In, In this moment, when we are in this room with these four people, we're we're terrified. That's a very basic emotion. Yeah. Whereas, like you guys are saying earlier in the season, it's much more about humans and the way that we, the way that we trick each other, right? Yeah. All the the confidence games that we play with each other. It's, it's not more so cerebral much. too. It's exactly. less like you don't feel it in your gut. Mm-hmm. You just kind of think about it in your head. You're like, yeah. okay, what are all the moving parts here? Yes. And it takes. You're, you're analyzing it more than you're feeling it. Exactly. And I feel like when they really get to a scene that you can just feel mm. and and you don't have to think about it because you already know, you've right. already processed the scenario enough in, in the previous scenes to understand why the thing you just saw is super important. Yeah. That's when it's at its best. And this is an example of that. I, I agree with that, that sentiment. All right, let's get to the final email here from Norm. Uh, says, I won't claim any internet points on calling Mr. H.O. Ward's death, especially as I can see the future and his death will be ruled a suicide or his body will disappear forever, mm. which will have pretty much the same effect on his reputation going forward. How sad is that? He had it right. He rode Kim and Jimmy pretty hard, but nothing that deserved the humiliation of D-Day, let alone getting his brains blown out. And while it was an amazing scene, who didn't think Lalo was coming at the first knock at the door? Yes. <laughs> You and I both did. Uh, but I still don't think anything in Better Call Saul has told me Kim would push this this far. But it shows how fantastic this team is to pull off something I do not believe is viable. Goes to them and RIP to Mr. Ward. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good way to go out. I, I did really enjoy this episode. Looking forward to the second half to oh, see how yes. the chickens come home to roost here. Six weeks. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Thank God it's only six weeks. Six weeks, and then we get another six weeks of episodes, and then <laughs> the rest of your life. Why was that so ominous? What do you What do you know? I I'm pretty sure they won't do any more stories in the Breaking Bad universe. If I had to guess, no, yeah, no, no Gus spinoffs. At least not not the the Villa Gang crew that we're familiar with. I, they're probably ready to be done with that, right? After like 15 years doing yeah, Breaking Bad universe they might shows. Be. They might be. Oh, speaking. maybe there'd be a movie or something again. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I could see there being some kind of movie or something. Uh, by the way, Gus. Speaking of Gus, <laughs> Chris McCaleb uh, cleared up on the Insider podcast this week that Giancarlo told him to pronounce his last name that way, so he could be he could be fucking with all of us. How was it? Esposito. Esposito. Esposito? Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. I, I found out people, people were writing in like crazy this week to discuss that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I cut it for time, but like apparently he's Italian. Is that is that right? Don't look at me, man. I have no idea. Yeah. Apparently his, his full name is Giancarlo Giuseppe Alessandro Esposito. Well, shit. Uh... It's kind of all of it in there. Yeah, he says he's the son of Giovanni <laughs> C. Esposito, all right. an Italian stagehand and carpenter from Naples. Uh, so he at least, Esposito. yeah, on his dad's side, he's definitely Italian. Esposito, goddamn. 
Suppose he get it. I I suppose he do. <laughs> I suppose he do. It's not his name, uh, but he is Italian. That's wild to me. Okay, at least half Italian. His mom's African American, so mm. that's where he gets his pigmentation. I assume. <laughs> his Unless, melanin. Yeah, uh, but wild. I wouldn't have guessed it. Well, es- Esposito doesn't sound like an Italian name to me, but I guess it is. Giancarlo, and and certainly Giuseppe. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, Giuseppe. I mean, you can't. It, it's all right there. You can't yeah. deny that one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, people wrote in about that. Um, good to know it was just him fucking with a producer. <laughs> Possibly. An editor. Uh, but that's it. That's our coverage for the first half of season six. The final season. The final season. The rest of your life. Oh. Uh, we'll be back the rest of your life in yeah. six weeks um, to talk about the, the second half of the final season yeah if you want to send in any feedback between now and then feel free to you can do so at bcs at baldmove.com uh, gather that up maybe talk about it a little bit on the first episode yeah um, tell us we're dummies that's it that's it it's been a long road Getting from there to here, but we're here. Now we're at the rest stop. We're at the travel center. And we get to see how it all plays out. We get to take a shower. (laughs) (laughs) But only for an hour. God, Uh, that's so long for a shower. Are you kidding me? But not for a shower. Don't raise your eyebrows at me, sir. A shower. Kitty, cover your eyes. (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys next time. Till then, I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. Bye.